your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a crossover edition of Locked On Wild and Locked On Blues. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. You can download the app and join Locked On Wild and Locked On Blues to get in on the action. On today's episode of Locked On Wilds and Locked On Blues, we celebrate the 4th of July in style, looking at favorite menu items, favorite activities to celebrate Independence Day. We will also take turns then going back and forth with Wild and Blues questions to uh, get us ready for the offseason. My name is Seth Topol, host of Locked On Wild, and I'm joined by and I can't believe nobody has used this yet, the Blues Brothers, Thomas Welsh <laughs> and Josh Hyman. Fellas, thanks so much for joining me. What's happening? Oh, first of all, I love the, I love the nickname. Um, we're going to have to start pushing that ourselves because <laughs> it's, just, it's just too perfect. You can That's have it. Said to, yeah, you guys, incredible. you guys can have it. It's, it's, your, it's my gift to you. Thank you. As now host of uh, of Lockdown Wild, so that's that's yours. And you know, despite my general dislike of the matchups that these two teams had this past season, I'm willing to push that to the side and uh, willing to start uh, a a show friendship here uh, going forward. So that's that's my gift to you guys. And you know, we're here to just enjoy and celebrate uh, Independence Day. Red, Wild, and Blues. The uh, the title like of of today's crossover episode. Keeps so coming, yeah. It's I I don't know. I sometimes I'm pretty brilliant. So I like extending the olive branch too, as we're kind of revving up towards a winter classic matchup that should be pretty electric. So uh, I know Josh and I were talking about potentially maybe coming up to Minnesota to see it. I don't yeah. know if we can if make I, that work or how we're going to swing the Powerball. If I win the Powerball, I'll be there. <laughs> uh, I might start saving up now. That sounds like electric. I mean, obviously I'm. I'm biased when it comes to St. Louis, but uh, you can get pretty far and in between when it comes to states that uh, have the respect and uh, the history that Minnesota does with hockey. So I think watching a game up there would be absolutely electric, like I said. It it will, and having been at uh, Target Field where the game will be, I can tell you it's... It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you guys do end up making the trip, we, of course, I, of course, as the host state, the host site will make sure that I accommodate um, however I can. But like you said, we've got uh, we get a few months till we get there. We got the rest of the summer to enjoy, which includes the 4th of July, the best holiday in uh, in the country in the summer. And so, guys, I thought it would be fun to start today by just going through and trying to compile a list of just epic like menu items, epic activities to do on the 4th of July. So why don't we start? Let's let's build our menu. Build Ooh. your ideal 4th of July menu. And uh, Josh, I'm going to start with you. I will go last this round, but just give me what is on your plates for the well, ideal 4th of July barbecue. I'm glad you asked because I actually picked up a summer job this year at a restaurant called The American Barbecue, and we do catering. No which way. Is, oh. it, yeah, it, it, is, it is kind of the perfect question for me um, as a, as a four-month experienced caterer for this barbecue place. Food uh, critic, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but, but I, guess, I guess it might be a little bit of, little bit of strength to that argument. Um, no, but the, all their food is delicious, and I feel like I've sampled a lot of it recently, so I, I've got a pretty good idea of what, if I'm going through a buffet line, what I'm putting on my plate. First of all, you got to have ribs. Easy. No question. 
um, hot dogs, 4th of July classic. But a, a bit of a sleeper pick that I think makes any sort of barbecue meal perfect is is a good, healthy serving of mac and cheese. You yep. cannot go wrong with mac and cheese. And and that's what I'm heaping onto my plate for serving one. Throw some chicken wings on there as well. You got yourself a perfect first dish for the 4th of July. All right, uh, Thomas, what you got? What's What's on your plate? I'm thinking like... Uh, typically for my 4th of July festivities, we're, we're celebrating on the 3rd and the 4th kind of. We're doing the 3rd at my house, but we're doing the 4th elsewhere. Uh, and so my dad usually either does uh, like burgers or dogs. And personally for me, I go burgers every time just because there's more on the bun that you can stack. Uh, hot dogs are good, but I think more like when you're comparing grill items it's it can't you can't really compare a burger to a hot dog even though a lot of people seem to kind of mention them in the same breath well i mean they're not even close to similar josh i think i think (laughs) i think the main thing is in in pure makeup or are you saying in quality no i'm not saying quality. they're both good but i think i think a better comparison to a hot dog would be like a bratwurst right (sighs) and even then like bratwurst i think i'm i'm kind of on the fence about bratwurst right because if you get like the Oscar Mayer like stuff at the grocery store and you throw it on the, on the grill, it's not going to be as good as a hot dog. But if you go to like a butcher that like is cutting the meat himself and he's making bratwurst and actually knows what he's doing, then I think it elevates its game a little bit. So uh, that being said, I think I would go actually burgers and bratwurst, throw those on my plate. I like the Mac and cheese look, Josh. So I'm going to double down on that, but I will also say a good fruit cocktail uh, can really make a dish as well. You throw a little bit of that on there. Um, make sure your cholesterol is not spiking up too high. So <laughs> I think I think that's what I'm gonna Isn't go. Isn't high cholesterol like one of the one of the virtues of the Fourth of July? It's an Don't American pastime. To, yeah, right. I was yeah, gonna say. Look at Thanksgiving, the same thing. Oh yeah. man. Um. Okay. My my plate consists. I got to go ribs. Like that's that's just a starter, but. I have really come to, within the last handful of years, appreciate a well-done side of brisket. Brisket okay. is elite. Brisket is fire. <sighs> like, put that put that next to the ribs. Like, I'll eat them both. Um, y- you guys are both spot on with the mac and cheese. That is that is a dynamite, elite, um, elite Especially if you pull. bake it and get the little breadcrumbs on top. Yes, oh, man. That, is, that is absolutely divine. Um, Top tier. Well, I like a little I like a little fruit in my diet, but um, I like to also, you know, enjoy as adults typically do. So I combine. I don't know if you've ever put a uh, a bottle of uh, of adult spirits into, say, a watermelon. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I have. I've never done it personally, but I have heard that that is a fire combination. Yep, so it's uh, that soon. It, it's well, it's well worth the. Um, it's well worth the effort. So that that's on my list too. And um, so, do you do you stick a straw in the watermelon? Do you eat the watermelon? Is it a little bit of both? It's it's what? a little. So once once the job once the job is done, once all mm. of the adult spirits have been soaked up by the watermelon, okay, then I you know you cut you cut it in half and you just do like melon balls or just okay. take you whatever this down, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> I got notes actually. Okay, okay just, you're good, good. Just take whatever's left of the melon and just spoon it up and uh, just just enjoy. All right. It's all right. Chef's I may kiss. have to. I may have to. The the other thing, the final item, I do like sweets. Um, key lime pie. 
Ooh. like just okay. a little little bit of key lime pie to kind of cleanse the palate and uh, and get you ready for whatever comes next, the fireworks and uh, and what have you. So that's uh, that's my plate. Um, on the note of fireworks, like let's just quick go around and what what are you typically doing? On the fourth, are you at the lake or just uh, kind of enjoying the outdoors? Uh, Thomas, what you got? Um, I'm usually in my backyard. My subdivision does a really good job of doing a big display, but everyone kind of sporadically before like probably eight or nine o'clock uh, just kind of does their own thing. And then they all gather like down the street. We've got like a little strip of common ground where everyone just designates as the, the war zone, I guess, if you will. <laughs> uh, and so the next day you're trying to drive out of your subdivision and go to work and there's just shrapnel everywhere. And so you got to navigate through that, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, personally for me, I like the, I forget what they're called, but they're like the little firecrackers with the wick on the end and then the stick so you can hold it. And then you light it and then wait until like, the last possible second and then yeet it up into the air and it just takes off. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Those are pretty sweet, but I also like the Roman candles too. And I yep. think those are like the classic there. So yeah, you got to have a responsible Roman candle war. Right. That's, that's <laughs> if you're not close to blowing off your fingers, Jason Pierre Paul style, yep. you're not doing it right. In you, my opinion, you are not trying. Uh, Josh, what does your ideal for the July look like? Yeah. Um, my family has a, a lake house up in New Hampshire. Um, I'm I'm from the Massachusetts area, by okay. the way, for the, to settle any confusion about the, the Blues <laughs> Association with New Hampshire. I trek from St. Louis to New Hampshire every year. No, um, we got a lake house up there and haven't done it uh, in the past few years, but traditionally we take the boat out to uh, Ossipee Lake area um, and they let off fireworks over like the, the tree line. So it's a bunch, you know, we're all sitting out on boats, uh, a couple of different families from around the that area on their, on their boats, um, looking at fireworks and stuff. So that's always a good time. Um, but lately, I don't know. It's been, I was away last 4th of July and this 4th of July, like I said, I'll probably be delivering some catering orders, but yeah, definitely fireworks is a must. Um, they're not legal in Massachusetts, so gotta go over the border for them, but doesn't seem to stop the, the neighbors from around here. Cause I feel like I hear them going off all the time. It makes it, uh, makes it adventurous too. Like, yeah. You gotta, gotta, gotta go not, uh, not where you're at. You gotta, you gotta find them. Uh, what's I like more, what's more American than bending the law? I mean, you uh, you ain't lying. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping to begin what will be a tradition for me this year, headed to Madison, Wisconsin for the 4th of July Ooh. for some golf, some fireworks. And um, they have a place there in Madison that you can throw hatchets. So wish me luck. I am hoping I'm hoping that I don't do anything that uh, that results in loss of limb or mm-hmm. anything along those lines. But that's that's what I'm hoping will be kind of the new tradition for me, uh, at least for the fourth. So whatever any of the listening audience does to celebrate Independence Day, do so responsibly, do so way more than you should and uh, just just live it up and enjoy. That is uh, the red portion of today's crossover episode between Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues. We will ask some wild questions. I get thrown in the hot seat next. Continuing our red, wild, and blues crossover edition of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues. Seth Topol joined by Thomas Welch 
and Josh Hyman of Locked On Blues. And fellas, like I said, we're putting me in the hot seat now with some wild questions and anything you guys have to ask. I'm an open book, so I am ready. What do you have for wild questions? Yeah, um, I think first and foremost, I'm sure you've been talking about it a lot uh, over these past few weeks, past few days especially. Um, rookie sensation, Dollar Bill Carell, took home the call there. Um, but maybe heading back home to, to Mother Russia, how much do you buy into those rumors? Do you think it's just negotiation tactic? And how bittersweet was that call to throw in, knowing that he's sort of in the middle of a, of a contract dispute that might, might see him leave the league a year after lighting it up? And also to double down on that, uh, I think I'm curious uh, what Kirill Kaprizov means to a Minnesota fan base that, like I said earlier, uh, is so hungry for hockey all the time. Obviously the state of hockey, but uh, it seems like he's a superstar in the making for a team that hasn't really had a superstar in the league for a while now. So what does he mean to this franchise and this fan base? Well, all of those questions are going to be tough to answer because according to my sources, there is a 0% chance that he resigns. That's a Zero. joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, it's, um, I, I equated this on lockdown wild when I talked about it in depth as a bluff in poker. So Kirill's agents, this is really the only play they have. He's either going to resign with the wild or he's going back to the KHL. There's no like, opt out or sign with somebody else or anything along those lines. The wild have his rights. And so if he's going to play in the NHL, it's going to be for the Minnesota wild. And I don't get the sense that Bill Guerin and the wild would have burned a year of his contract in order to get him to the NHL level, just for him then to subsequently leave uh, and go elsewhere. It's the, the biggest sticking point right now is that Kirill and his agent, and this is rightfully so, they want him to have the opportunity in four years to cash in on an eight-year deal with the Wilds or with somebody that's going to pay a whole heck of a lot more for him to go elsewhere. And with somebody that's 24 years old, that is absolutely the right play. That is absolutely what they should be doing. The Wild, of course, want him to sign for eight years. They want to keep him around as long as possible. It's just, it's a song and dance at this point. It's musical chairs. It's a poker bluff. It's whatever you want to call it. Ultimately, a deal will get done because it's going to look bad for him to have spent all this time to get over to the NHL and after one season, go back across the sea. So it's it's a negotiation tactic. It's the only one they really have in their arsenal. And for Wild fans who have been clamoring for somebody to come here and be as good, if not better than Marion Gabrick already. That's the last time the wild had a player that was this good. Yeah. It's frustrating. It was frustrating for me when that news first came out, but everybody can just relax. Just take a deep breath. Bill Guerin is a master poker player in these situations. They're going to do what they need to do to get Carell back here. It may only be a four-year deal to start, but he's he's going to resign. I I am set on that, and uh, it's just going to be a little bit of a dance until we get there. So, I, I think it, I think it does end up happening. I'll say it's a four-year deal for somewhere between 
eight and ten million dollars per year. But uh, ultimately, I think it does end up happening because, like I said, he's the best player we've had since Gabrick. He may be better already. They're not just going to let him walk for nothing. Okay, I like it. So another question that I have that kind of just popped into my mind was, uh, so Marco Rossi, uh, the story with him and like everything he went through with COVID, uh, we obviously haven't really seen him play as blues fans yet. And obviously like going back to the central and seeing you guys, uh, what can, I guess the wild fans, like what are expectations for him coming into this season, obviously being a highly touted prospect, but then going through what he did, uh, do you, uh, take a breather there and be like, okay, well, like we need to kind of hedge our bets with this guy and like focus on other prospects maybe, or is it still like, uh, guns blazing? Like this guy's going to be the next big thing. And uh, we're expecting huge, big things from him. See, this is this is the most difficult question, I think, because Rossi is a great prospect, but he's also a spot where the Wild have a huge need at the center position. So mm-hmm. if this was if Rossi was a wing, obviously they would err more on the side of caution to make sure that he's ready to uh, to compete, ready to go, and ready to not have to deal with a huge amount of pressure to perform as soon as he gets um, to the Wild roster. Unfortunately, though, we saw multiple seasons. We have seen multiple seasons of Victor Rask at center. This past year, we saw Ryan Hartman play a majority of his games at the center position. We also saw a lot of Nick Bugstad. Too much, I would argue. There is a huge need for centers to come in and just plug that spot. And so with Rossi dealing with, from all accounts, he had the, uh, the heart-related issues that, uh, that a lot of people get from COVID-19. And so that was the complications that he was dealing with, and it was pretty scary from everything that he has tweeted out and uh, that, uh, that insiders such as Michael Russo had heard on the situation. So obviously nothing that we want to take lightly at all. He is back skating uh, at this point in the offseason. And so if he's ready to go, I think the nice thing is that um, his contract does allow a little bit of a peak early in the season to see if he is uh, is ready to go. I think it's like seven games or something like that. So the Wild could have him start with the team and see if he's ready to go. And if not, they can send him down and let him get the rest of the season to, uh, to get his feet wet, but we got to find some centers. I mean, at this point, you've got Jewel Eriksson-Eck and Nico Sturm as really the only centers on this roster, and so they are going to push him as much as they can without being super aggressive about it. I would love to see him play with the team the entire season, but ultimately I think we see him maybe the back half of the season, something like that, so that we can make sure that he's fully ready to rock. But once he's ready to rock... He's a top two center, and uh, we need it desperately. I like it. Um, let's see. In terms of, I guess, next season with the Central Division getting a little bit of a shakeup with a team like Arizona joining the fray, and not to say Arizona is a, a slouch by any means. They're not exactly an elite talent. Like they're not going to be competing at the top of maybe Colorado, but it they really to lead se- against us. Yeah, well. So did a lot of teams. <laughs> That's um, true. Not us. 
Yeah, I feel like next year's Central Division isn't, I mean, apart from Colorado, who maybe has the potential to be a really good regular season team again, I'm not sold on them in the playoffs. It really feels like there might be six or seven teams battling for three playoff spots next year, realistically, especially if Chicago continues to sort of hover around their average play that they've been playing recently. What do you think, what are you expecting to see out of the Central next year, uh, given the the slight division shakeup? That's a great question, too. Um, Colorado, you'd expect, is going to uh, to do some good things. Um, then again, they are going to be up against the cap, like most teams in their situation. So you'd expect that they're going to lose. Um, you'd expect they're going to lose a couple of players, at least, uh, due to free agency and, and such. I mean, they may have a different goalie in, uh, in with Grubauer going to... Uh, to free agency. So that could be a huge potential change for them. But I mean, how can you, how can you count out a team that has such elite top end talent um, as the avalanche do? I mean, my, my other favorite team to root against this past season was the Dallas stars because Hmm. they were sending so much, of an attempt to uh, to will Jason Robertson to the Calder, so I, I heard a lot uh, of that. I'll root against them every chance I get. <laughs> Not that I'm bitter or anything. And like you said, you got Arizona coming in because Seattle will go to the uh, the Pacific Division as as is expected. That that's that's how it should be. But um, it's it's going to be fascinating because the um. The Blackhawks, as you noted, are kind of a wild card here. And, um, you know, I just, honestly, I am most looking forward to just playing 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock starts, like all season, as opposed to 9.30 starts against the Golden Knights, 9 o'clock starts against the Sharks. I am so ready for that garbage to be done. Because yeah, then you record after the game, and then by the time you're done editing, it's 3 a.m. I feel that. Yeah, that uh, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. It's honestly, guys, it's a it's a wide open division. I think, I think the Wild end up near the top half. Do they make the playoffs? We'll just have to wait and see what they do. Jack Eichel, um, but it's yeah, he's ours. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's everybody's. <laughs> it's it's going to be a lot of fun to just get back to the normal teams. I I recorded with Jack from Lockdown Blackhawks the other day. And we noted just how weird it was to go an entire season without talking Wild and Blackhawks. Like, come on. So that's as far as who is competing for that uh, that Central Division crown. um, It remains to be seen. I'm just glad to get back to it now that I've taken over as Locked on Wild host that I can actually get back to normal here for uh, 2021-2022. And that's, uh, that's going to take care of the wild questions, I think. Um, let's move on to the blues portion, and I'll put you guys in the hot seat. That is oh coming up next. All right, having a great time talking some hockey with Seth from Locked on Wild. But before we hop into the blue segment of this episode, I want to remind you guys about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They've got nine delicious flavors. You might know them. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something there for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bars 
the best tasting, but they're healthy too. They have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories. Most of them only have 4 grams of sugar and only 4 grams of net carbs. So you got to check them out today. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We'll be right back. Continuing our Red, Wild, and Blues crossover episode with Locked on Blues, Thomas Welch and Josh Hyman joining your Locked on Wild host, Seth Topol. And guys, it's time to flip it. So now I'm going to put both of you on the hot seat with some Blues questions. And the first one I want to ask, because it seemed like the Blues were right around 500, except against the Wild. So to me it felt like you guys were legit title contenders. To the rest of the NHL, it was more of kind of an up-and-down season. So I just want to know, where are you guys really at? Is it trending towards you know playoff appearances in back-to-back years, or are you guys in need of a little bit of a retool? Where, Where are things at? Because I feel like I had a skewed view of this last season. Yeah, so I think the... I think... That's a very good question, and I think for us, that's the question we've been trying to answer this offseason so far, and I think that's the reason why this offseason for the Blues is going to be so big and why there's so many eyes, specifically from Blues fans, but I feel like across the league, there's going to be movement for everybody, right? But for a team like the Blues that were competing for the Stanley Cup so recently and then two years since of kind of taking a dip in production, uh, it really is, it does feel like some days, like, I don't know if this team has what it takes and like building an identity and the cup team compared to the team that we have now, there's so many names that are different and so many people that have uh, came in and so many people that have gone out. It's like, how can you recreate that magic? And I think for the blues and Doug Armstrong, one of the biggest things is watching this off season. So for blues fans, I think the moves that they make is going to dictate like whether they're shelling out all of their talent for top tier guys, guys that have been through back to the Stanley cup who will, help us reemerge as that once again. And obviously Doug Armstrong's comments um, saying that they are still in a Stanley cup window makes me think that they are going to do that. But at the same time, you can't, I I wouldn't want to give up a ton of prospects because if they fail again this year, I do think a rebuild could potentially be on the horizon. So um, you asked me the question. I'm asking you the question as well. I'm asking Doug Armstrong the question because personally for me, I think Josh is in the same boat. Blues fans really don't know which way this team is going to go. Yeah, and I feel like the biggest thing is so many players on this roster underperformed for various reasons, whether it was Vladimir Tarasenko um, coming back from injury, you know, usually a dynamic right around 40 goal scorer for us and just hasn't played in two seasons. And then a guy like Mike Hoffman, who really for the first half of the season was just completely misused by the coaching staff, just deployed in situations where he was pretty much set up to fail. Um, and then the fan base, you know, jumped on his back. And then second half of the season, he gets more power play time and starts looking like a, a great goal scorer for us in the right situations. Um, and then a guy like Colton Pareko, who during the Stanley Cup run looked like, a, you know, a potential number one defenseman on a cup winning team, um, played really, really well, you know, looked like an absolute lockdown defender. And then these past two seasons hasn't really met that potential again. So it really felt like on paper, looking at this roster, they should have done so much better than they did. But at the same time, all of the players that struggled, it was sort of understandable. 
So it is a big question mark, like Tommy said, you know, can one or all of these players take a big step next season? You know, another guy like Jordan Cairo started out the season on a ter- terrific pace and then just sort of slowed down. Um, and it's a matter of, well, let's say every single one of those players has a has a big step over the offseason and plays up to or even above expectations, then this team can be a cup contender. But if those players are, are guys that are, this is their trend and, and they're not going to be, you know, that the, the best we've seen of them and sort of the, the middle of the road is, is what we're, what we're going to expect. That's why we're seeing Vladimir Tarasenko trade rumors and, and all this stuff like that. So I think like Tommy said, it's a really hard question to answer. And I think, you know, the front office has a better, a lot better of an idea, especially considering Tarasenko's health is probably number one on that priority list in terms of the direction of this team. Um, but it, it really feels like it, it's less personnel, less roster personnel, and more just mentality and chemistry. Um, so I think to answer like your, your, one of your earlier questions, is this team going to be in the playoffs? I think absolutely. You know, they're not, they're not quite done making, making a name for themselves in, in the postseason just yet. Um, but I do think that they're one or two pieces away from competing for a Stanley Cup again. But those pieces may be just in-house get things like Tarasenko improving or the coaching staff getting a slightly different mentality and, you know, giving guys like Mike Hoffman better opportunities. It, it really feels like they're right on the borderline of of having that extra success. But that extra success could come from a multitude of ways just because of the implications of this offseason. So it's going to be chaotic. Gentlemen, this was an unreal time and a perfect way to celebrate the 4th of July. We'll have to do this again because absolutely, obviously a ton of, uh, of ways that we can spin this with a look towards next year as being division opponents yet again. Granted, we were this past season um, during COVID. So we look forward to doing this um, again here uh, in the near future as well uh, for both listening audiences Make sure you're following Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, you want to follow your Locked on Wild captain, Seth Topol, on Twitter at Seth Topes. You can follow the Blues Brothers as well on their Twitter accounts. And uh, everybody have a great fourth. Enjoy what should be an amazing weekend. And uh, you can find plenty more information on your favorite Locked on teams with new episodes coming every day.